What's up, people? So, unfortunately, we weren't able to record an episode this week. You know, we were all had some, you know, some different stuff going on uh, separately, so we weren't able to do one this week. So what I did is, just to keep the content going, uploaded an interview that I did with Mark Vieira. He's a comedian. He's been on Comedy uh, Central. He's been on True TV. He's been on HBO, Showtime. He's been everywhere. And he's a super funny guy. Interview was dope. And I hope you guys enjoy it. I know some of you might have heard this one already, but I know there's some that probably haven't. So hope you guys enjoy this one. And we will be back strong next week with the whole kickback crew. Have a good weekend. What is up, people? Welcome to another episode. I am extremely, extremely excited to get this uh, episode started, not just because uh, we have any other random guests. This is one I've been waiting for, looking forward to, especially um, because I'm a huge fan. We have Mark Vieira on, and like I told you before we started, super excited to have you on. Thanks for doing this, and I can't wait to just get started and uh, get to talk. What's up, man? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's always a pleasure, man. Always good to have, uh, you know, and uh, a platform, an opportunity, and then somebody like you who's a fan. That's just extra, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, and I was going to say, uh, just even seeing your IG lives, like, those are always fun to watch because <laughs> you never know who you're going to have on. I know, like, the other day, I think, like, uh, you know, an older lady accidentally clicked request or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> If she had us watching what she was watching on TV. Yo, this, this TV <laughs> yeah. was so loud, bro. I was, like, yeah. I was like, yo, you're killing yourself in that house. <laughs> TV so loud. If she was uh, just watching a regular TV front. Like if she was watching Star Wars, you know, yeah. you know, Return of the Sith. Or so, I get that. Put that up. That's in THX. But she was just watching, uh, you know, CSI Miami really loud. I was like, holy yeah, it was uh, it was hilarious because like the first thing you said was, "Okay, your TV's really loud," and you just <laughs> the first thing, I'm like, "TV's loud, yeah." But yeah, I enjoy those uh, IG lives, especially because you know you just have uh, fans on, or you'll have you know your friends on, and uh, what's cool is that you know sometimes you know some of them are really funny, joking, messing around, and then sometimes you could get really serious, which I feel like a lot of people don't realize that comedians do have. A serious side and they they can be serious and talk about you know very important things or serious topics and it's not always kind of like jokes and laughs and all that stuff yeah i mean look i i uh in that vein you know whenever i go live obviously if i want to talk about so, this is a thing people ask me so many this is a, as a comedian people ask me such serious questions that they want <laughs> the, the conversation <laughs> What got serious, you know, it's like, um, you know, I'm a comedian, but before being a comedian, I've done, I've done so much pretty much in a short life because I've been very daring in my life, you know? Mm. So I've been like, and resourceful. So I've been like, Hey, I, I want to try this. I was, I was, 
you know, I was a few weeks from becoming a New York City firefighter. Like I, oh, wow. I was, you know, in my lifetime, I have done some pretty cool things. Comedy obviously being the coolest, yet the most challenging, yet the most, you know, uh, uh, insanely ridiculous out of the ordinary type of journey has been stand-up comedy. You know, I've had a TV show with George Lopez and I started, you, you understand what I mean? Uh, yeah. In, in, um, in, you know, I created a show and George jumped in as a executive producer, but like, like I've done some really, I think some really cool things in my uh, 20 years, almost I'm, I'm a couple weeks out from 20 years, but um, uh, in that journey of mine, but to, to think that it was just an idea, like, Hey, I, I think I'm funny. I think I should go on stage and jump to, you know, 13 years later, I was sitting with Fox executives talking about my life to them. And they were like, we love this. We want to make a show with you. And, you know, and again, that opportunity, that opportunity, even though those opportunities kind of, you know, they're real high and then they go, then yep. they, and they kind of, they don't fizzle away. Things just happen. You know, things just happen. Um, and I was close. Like I, you know, just a sidebar note, I was close to having my own show. I, I was, I had an, a Fox Television had an apartment for me, a car, food, uh, paychecks. They were ready to go. I just, you know, I just had to decline because they wanted to take my creativity from the show away. Wow! And I was afraid at that time. I was afraid to do a show that didn't really represent Latinos in the light that we should be. And and when you give up the creative reins, and it's not Latinos writing for the show, producing, and all that other stuff you have no clue where the direction they're going to go. They go by what they perceive as Latino instead of what they perceive as Latin instead of the real, the real source. And so you, you understand. And so exactly. uh, again, like when I'm, I'm live, like I said, I can start really goofy and then somebody will say, yo, Mark, what happened to the TV show? That's not like, that's <laughs> not, I gotta get serious. I gotta take a serious breath on that and be like, wow. Okay. It's a great question. Let me answer that. Or, you know, uh, I'm, I'm divorced now and have a new woman in my life and I have her on my lives and people love her. Like they love her on my lives. Number one, I think she's eye candy. I think that's, that's the girl <laughs> in the room. She's super pretty. And, but she's also, how do you say, she also has her own style that people enjoy when she's with me. Like, you know, she's not, she, she gets into conversation. Yes. But she also like, women are like, Oh, how you got your hair like that? And then she's like, oh, I use, hold on, let me get my product. And then it's a whole product show. And, uh, and I'm like, I'm like this the whole time. I'm like, look at this, look at this. Go oh, go yeah. Like, I've seen you where you're just like, I just wanted you to say hi. Like that was it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a spectator in my own life. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like this, look, yeah. <laughs> like, no, you want to put oil on your face. You might want to put a little bit of oregano right oh, here. God. You oregano. Like, oregano? You put oregano? Like, I didn't even know you put oregano on the face? Like, it, it winds oh, up. Oh, God. Uh, how do you say? But, you know, I guess, uh, to be honest with you, it's live. Like, I'm not, I'm not fabricating. Look, I even, like, I was just going to go live before we came up because I made a, a quick brunch for myself. Cause my breakfast was a, a smoothie, right? Yeah. I, I made I made some French toast, uh, real quick, a healthy version of French toast, and I was like, oh, I should go live and tell people how I make my French toast, which I am gonna do when we get off because I'm making some for Danielle, and um, you know, I, I'm just like, yeah, 
I want people to know that behind the the jokes, behind the humor, is a real dude. Like I'm still, I'm still every day working on me, and mm -hmm. I want people to know. Especially, I don't know if you've seen recently. I want men to know that we can be a work in progress and not be, and not be uh, ashamed that the perfect that they think we are is far from. That we should oh, be, yeah. be available, vulnerable and tolerable to know that we're all evolving. You know, we're all evolving as human beings, you know, as, and again, moreover, as men, we're just getting better at it. It's okay to say that. It's okay to say, wow, I messed up, you know? Yeah. I had eight years where I was a jerk to myself and everybody around me, but I've learned that I don't want to be that way. It's okay to say that, you know, as long as we're getting better and we're not getting worse, I think that that's what should be highlighted and not, we shouldn't, and men shouldn't be condemned because the last relationship, you know, hey, I cheated on my girl. Oh, yo, bro, <laughs> yo, but she was, yo, she was a good girl. It's like people don't know the inner workings of a relationship. And here the I human. am, you know, here I am. I'm like, look, man, I've been, I've been in a failed marriage for 20 years. That's not okay. That's not cool. That's not cool. So I want to talk about it without, with only talking about my experience, because obviously I can't talk about hers. I can only mm -hmm. talk about mine and how I evolved out of my own marriage. I just evolved out of it and was like, I'm done. I don't wanna, <laughs> I don't wanna fight with you no more. Like I don't wanna, like, I don't wanna live my life fighting with another person. I just don't wanna do that. And I, I, just, I was like, I was like, wow, I spent 20 years fighting over stupidity. I don't wanna I don't wanna fight about that anymore. Like I like one day I was just like, it, it, the cost it was costing me too much of me to mm. stay to stay in it. And I was like, yeah, I don't wanna do that anymore. You know, I just wanna do that. So Tough, hard, yes. Uh, you know, thrilling and uh, a gift. Absolutely, I, I've you know I, I've uh, at least grown to recognize that some things are a gift, and being alone is a gift. You know, learning yourself is a gift. You gotta. I wish the reason why I said let me go live with these topics is because I would love to catch a young mind before they before they make the same mistake I did at twenty two, which is mm -hmm. married. Pregnant first, then married, then trying to play catch up the whole, you know, the whole I, didn't even, I to be honest, I didn't even know how to be a boyfriend to her, let alone a dad and then a, and then a husband. Like, I, you know, I was too young, dude. I was I, I lived my life on the edge. I was riding motorcycles at 160 miles per hour with a, with, a, with a three month old, you know, at home. And so like that, that's some that's some real ridiculous crap that I was going through at that time, you know, so. You know, grateful, grateful to be here now standing and doing yeah. and at least recognizing that my lessons will, God willing, be a, a lesson to someone else, you know? Yeah. And uh, listening to your, your live the other day and you were talking about that and being open with with, you know, men being able to, you know, show their feelings and show like their true self and and kind of just on point with, you know, relationships. As I get older, you know, I'm realizing like, hey, like I don't need to deal with that or I don't need to, you know, like, as opposed to my first girlfriend and, you know, we break up and I'm like, ah, I loved her and, you know, all that shit. But then you you look back and you're like, no, oh, we argued a lot. I didn't like it. You know, it's it's just it's growing up. And sometimes, especially like just watching your lives and looking at the comments and seeing how many people agree and seeing how many people are on the same boat I am or the same boat you are. And to see that, which is so cool, because you you realize like, hey, it's kind of cheesy, but it's like, hey, you, 
I'm not alone. Like I'm not the only guy dealing with this. Like there's so many other guys that have their same variation or their same story and they're dealing with it the same way I'm dealing with it, like across the world, across the country, you know, whether they speak English, man, it doesn't matter. They're still dealing with it. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, see that the term dealing with it, right? Dealing with it means something different to every human being. And that's, that's what I'm trying to, you know, in just you talking about it, that's kind of exactly what I want us not to do is for everyone to deal with it differently. You know, let's make deal with it more linear, more, mm-hmm. more. I, I would like for you to deal with it, like really deal with it. Yeah. In a way that's healthy for you. Because I dealt with it with alcohol. I dealt with it with uh, getting other women involved. I dealt with it with ignoring it. That is not dealing with it. You know what I mean? All those things mean, oh, so you mean you just didn't deal with it. Is that what you're getting at? You know what I mean? Um, In my head, I was like, oh, damn, I was doing it the wrong way. Exactly. You see what I mean? So basically, uh, you know, I'm sorry. I always take notes when I t- when I say something incredibly good. Uh, oh no, but that, I, kind of, I'm the same way sometimes. Yeah. Um, so everybody's deal with it, and I, I'm see. I didn't come up with that. You did, and that's why I got to write it down. Um, th- the term "deal with it" is just different for everyone. And like I said, when you go to a therapist, right? Mm-hmm. When you go to a therapist, they treat you in a very line- linear way, even though they're listening to you objectively. Mm-hmm. They're also dealing with you subjectively because they have other clients that are going through what you're going through. So they basically have your deal with it pretty much pre-planned. Okay, what I need you to do, okay, I want you to take these pills. Yeah. Okay, you're going to take, take one at breakfast, one with dinner, <laughs> and then I want you to recite this poem every day to yourself. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good enough. You know, and this, and it's like, it's a linear exercise for so everyone yeah. that in their room and everybody gets the same are. thing. Hey, thank you. And so I'm kind of like in a very similar way. I'm just like, guys, I understand that many men won't go see a therapist. I know I did post, you know, uh, filing for divorce. I said, I need, I need closure to understand not why I'm getting divorced. Why was I there so long? Why mm-hmm. was I okay with unhealthy for so long? That's a great question. It's a great question for everybody who is in a relationship. Yeah. Well, even more so if you're in an unhealthy relationship. You know, <laughs> um, why is this okay with me? Like, why do am I okay with her um, cursing at me, calling me a piece of shit? Why am I okay with her telling me, you, you, you know, you ain't never gonna be shit anyway? So, yeah. you know, blah blah blah. Like, why am I okay with that level of unhealthy? Most men, I hate to say it, they get they get some ass, and that's really all they care about. All that unhealthy, all that dysfunction, all that she doesn't love my son. You know, my son is from another girlfriend, but, you know, she doesn't love my son. She hates my ex. She, You know, all that dysfunction is not good for you. you it's know not healthy. I mean? It's not healthy for you because what you're in is a ridiculously stressful environment. Yeah. You know, I'm trying, like I said, what I would like to do is at least, bro, it's like, it's like the egg when it's, when it's in the shell, 
is not as healthy when you crack it open and and get the yolk and get all that goodness that's in there. I mean, if you're a vegan, I hope you don't hate me, but <laughs> I'm only using it as an analogy that the, the, the egg it, like that in the shell is tough, hard to break. Mm-hmm. But get in there. That's all that good stuff. So I feel like I would like for men to see themselves at that egg, understanding that when they when they break open the shell and they start to talk about all these things that hopefully we get to a common, healthy place. That's all I'm asking. A common healthy place. So if that place is my live on a Monday when they're mm-hmm. home and they just want to listen at first, hear what's up, you know, yeah, I think, yeah, I absolutely, you know, and can it be humorous and fun and funny? Like some girl said, oh, if a guy feels upset, just show him a, show him a titty. I thought that yeah. was hilarious. <laughs> I was dying laughing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I thought that was hilarious. Like, and because I because I've said that on stage before, I'm like, you know what? You know what stresses us out, keeping us away from each other, ladies. When you get home, when and you unsnap that bra and let your titties out, let it for a little while. Like <laughs> take the stress of his, you know, <laughs> take the stress of his life off by 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 de-stressing the conversation. Like if he's pissed off that you know he's been in traffic for two hours, somebody you know somebody you know crashed, and now he's been yeah. When he comes home, if there's a titty instead of an argument. Damn it, bro! That's yeah. Everything. Bro, yeah. Fucking <laughs> Exactly. I would be stress free if that would happen. Yeah, you know, and so I, I uh, you know, again, it is my, and I don't. This is the thing, you know, your platform and your voice be is like for me, it's like Spider Man. You know, it's my spider bite. I I took on the responsibility of being funny and bringing people to me. Right. Like a, mm-hmm. like, a, like the light does to the moth. I bring people to me for humor and I'm starting to realize that my platform can also be useful in other ways. Yeah. You know, this being for me, maybe a calling, because, again, not that my life's been trifling. I don't I don't want to come off as trifling. I want to come off as my normal comes from pain. Mm-hmm. You, you know, my normal comes from pain. And I think I share that with a lot of guys. Yeah, and I and I, I agree, especially when you when you talk about those on your live and just sit, sitting back. Especially the other day, I was sitting back and I was thinking about how how sometimes some men don't show emotion or they don't feel emo- like they don't they don't want to express it. But I was lucky to have uh, a dad who wasn't afraid to show me that emotion. You know, I know, you know, that machismo type of thing where it's like, oh, you, I've never seen my dad cry. I, I have seen my dad cry. I've seen it multiple times. And at an early age, it showed me like, oh, that's, it's okay. Like, yeah. because, you know, the next day we wake up and yeah, I remember that, you know, he cried because something made him sad or something was bothering him or shit. I made him cry or something yeah. like, so yeah. there's, it early on, it got me to realize like, Hey, it's okay. And, you know, talking to friends, like, Hey, have you guys ever seen your dad cry? Like, Oh no, no, no. I've never seen that. Like, I don't, it would be weird. It would be awkward where that changed our relationship because I'm not afraid to go up to my dad and, you know, sit, sit down and instead of have a beer, have a cry. And I, and, and I guarantee you it, it kind of, it just fixes a lot of things because you don't have that, that thing that, that old school mentality of like, Hey, you're not supposed to see me cry. I'm not supposed to see you cry. We're both men here and that's it. Yeah. 
Well, that's that thing I was talking about a little bit was that machismo, you know, that machismo upbringing because our dads had come from a different place than the way I am as a dad. You know, I talk about it in my standup, but I do. I let my sons be, I let my sons be as emotional as they need to be. Mm. You know, when they're upset, I hold them and I say, it's okay to cry, pop. It's okay. You know, it's okay to be frustrated. It's, but it's not okay to hold that in. Exactly. Let's, I'm breaking a cycle. Whereas as a Latino, I was told, I, that, that, I, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and your own family made fun of you because you know, because your girlfriend broke up with you. Ah, don't know you can do with a you know how many pussies out there? There's so many pussies out there. You know, they don't realize that you, like you said, you really loved that girl. You really loved her. You really had feelings for her. And they told you that your feelings were worthless, meaningless, and were stupid. And so we, we come from a culture of holding it in, bro. And that creates the same culture when you're, when you get into a real relationship and she says, what's wrong? And you look at her in her face and go, nothing, nothing, nothing. I'm good. When you are far from good, my, let me tell you, my Danielle is relentless when she sees me upset. Mm -hmm. Relentless. She is like, sit down here. What's wrong? It's like, tell me. You know, she hates that she has to do that to me. But again, she understands where I come from and how hard it is to crack the shell. Once I'm open with her, obviously I'm better. But to get me there is work. It's mm -hmm. work because I'm not ready sometimes. You know what I mean? So it, 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 like I said, it's just, uh, it's just work in general. And like I said, not that I'm taking responsibility. I'm only taking responsibility for my platform. That's all. Yeah. You know, I, so I don't want to be responsible for men. But again, you know, dealing with COVID has taught me so much, man. You know, my own breaking point. How do I talk about my breaking point? How do I, how am I, I'm more, and again, and I said this to Danielle, I don't want to live a, most, a more honest life. I want to live a more truthful life. I want to tell me the truth because then I'm coming from truth when I talk to everyone. So when I'm live and I tell the truth about something, when I get off, I don't feel like I held anything back. You know, so it's like, you know, and, and it's my challenge, right? It's my mm -hmm. challenge to tell men, live more truthfully, be true, more true to you. And yeah. if you stand on that as your, as your platform, if you stand on truth as your platform, then people have more genuinely have more respect for you and they deal with you differently. Cause they're like, cause when you say, yo, I am not no, yo, truthfully, bro, that chick is not for you. She's mm -hmm. not for you. Like, bro, she, 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 she ran you off the road. That's not a person who loves you. That's not love. That's some demon shit that is that yeah. disguised in the word love because that's easy. That's easy. I'm going to disguise all this pain that I'm bringing you because I love you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, you know, and man like that. Look. <laughs> right. And then you go, bro, why, why you got that? You know, why you got 18 stitches? Nah, you know, my girl saw that I was, you know, uh, DMing with this bitch. 
you know, it was no big deal. I just told her, yo, you got a fat ass. And the girl told me, oh, send me a picture, you dick. Blah, blah, you know, and I'm me stupid. I sent a picture, blah. But, you know, and then my girl came in the room and flashed my face. Like, nigga, that's not healthy. <laughs> what are you talking about? That's an argument at best, a conversation at worst. Like, I mean, at worst, a conversation at best to say, you know, hey, all right, you wanna, you wanna, you know, you wanna send your dick to picture, <laughs> you can do that, but you just can't do that from living here with me. It's mm -hmm. that simple. You know, cheating has changed. Cheating has changed from, I went to her house and I nailed her uh, for four hours to, you know, telling people what you want online. Is that cheating? Is that a cheating heart? Is that, do you not want your woman? Do you not, you know, there, that's, I mean, that's another great conversation, but you know, it still doesn't, it, it, it still doesn't mean that killing somebody because they're having conversations on, on, in the world of make-believe, which is social media. You, you understand what I mean? Mm -hmm. This girl is from Pakistan. How the, why did you cut your man's face in <laughs> Manhattan over some a dick pic to Pakistan? Like, are you yep. serious? So I'm talking about like, I mean, I, I just, like I said, if men could, if men in general could see who they are and what they are, what they bring before they bring it, yeah, I think we make them better. I think we make ourselves better. I this is me talking to Mark at twenty. That that's really how I look at this. Instead of talking to the people at large, sometimes I'm just talking to me. You know, I made I made a revelation on the Monday, my first Monday night, you know, fellas forum, when I said that, um, you know, that alcohol is a is like a character in my life. It's like the villain. It's like the the villain. <laughs> Because everybody who was mean, everybody who did something bad to me or did something bad in general, they were they were drunk. You know, they were they were pissed drunk. They were, you know, they weren't just mean because I I deserved it. They were mm -hmm. just mean because that's all they knew. And they put that shit on me. That's unfair to do to a kid, you know, is yeah. to put all your shit on them. That is so mean, bro, to, you know, to hit a seven-year-old when you're not his dad, you know, and he doesn't even know where you, you just, you know, you've been with his mom for seven months and, yeah. and you know, and you see him, I don't know, uh, uh, whatever it was at the time, you know, on the phone, hiding on the phone or, do, or whatever it was and to put your hands on them. That's, that's not, you know, I, I think those conversations have to be, unfortunately, they have to be spoken about, had and, and thrown around. And I call it, it's like, you know, like, like you ever play beach, beach ball where I have the ball and I hit it over to you. I know I'm doing a lot of the talking when I'm online, but I hope one day to have someone else doing more, a lot of the talking as well, you know, where I can share yeah. with them and people are sharing who they are. And I hope it's mostly men and then hopefully have someone who can come in and say, this is a great conversation. This is how we can begin the healing. That's really all I want out of this. You know, yeah. I want, because healing is a resolution, but it's one of those resolutions that's super tough to get to, man. You know, super hard. Yeah, especially because there's a lot of conversation that has to get done. You know, a lot of people have to be open. A lot of people can't be scared to, you know, just say what what happened to them or their feelings and all that. But I, like I said, you're you're on the right track. You're starting the conversation. That's all you can really do is just, you know, kickstart that conversation and just go from there. And 
<laughs> I, I keep laughing just because uh th- just thinking of like upbringings of you know uh, my dad's uh, Puerto Rican and mom's Peruvian and just thinking about you know everyone you know Latinos in general you know they have somewhat of the some same upbringing but sometimes because of those cultures it's a little different like for right. me personally growing up with a Puerto Rican dad his level of just conversation is like at a 20 already just talking and and just coming and trying to like bring friends over and or a girl over and like all right my dad's loud like just just he's not yelling and like just having those conversations and I've always wanted to because I grew up in LA so I there wasn't really that many Puerto Rican families like that I can relate relate to to be like oh yeah like oh they are just loud so I, it, it was always a struggle. I'm like, fuck, like, why is my dad always yelling? Or why is my dad always... It? And his answer was just, we're Puerto Rican. That's just how we are. That's it. I just talk loud, bro. I'm, I'm excited. We talk, we, talk, we talk with excitement and passion. Yes. And that's, that's who we are. I think, I, I know, I, I know I, I'm like that because, again, I was, it was okay to be like that in my house. I know when I go to other people's houses or I'm in, I'm in different circles, they look at us like... <laughs> yeah. Right. Because we're and then I love it. Uh, but but look at how things are. You know, when I get on stage and I'm even bigger than that, people love it. You know, people love they, they see that I whatever I'm talking about, especially if I'm talking about my kids or, you know, my grandmother, my upbringing. I, I find excitement in that. That makes it that makes the conversation even more exciting and mm-hmm. I get even more excited. So I think it, it, at least for me, it's paid dividends to be that that excited all the time and that passionate. You know, it kind yeah. of really comes out in my uh, when I'm performing. But, you know, again, culturally. Yeah. When I watch Sebastian Maniscalco perform, I see an excitement and zeal in the same way that I see it in myself. Joe Coy, I see that in the way they speak because they have the same kind of passion for it. And mm-hmm. it, it translates into comedy when when you know how to, you know, finagle and work it into comedy, you know, which is pretty dope. Pretty awesome. Yeah. I, it's funny that you say you would mention those guys because uh, I remember when I first saw you and first uh, saw your comedy, uh, me and my brother, we're always just trading. I'm always trying to like find a comedian that he hasn't seen before. Same thing with him. And when I saw you, uh, your stuff online, I sent to him, I was like, he's like, it's like Joe Coy. It's like Sebastian, like, like just that energy that you give yeah. off. And yeah. I, I, I think that's why a lot of people enjoy your comedy because it's, it, it, you bring that energy out because yeah. you know especially w- with comedy you know you're going to clubs and people are had a long day at work seven eight hour whatever it is they come to the show they sit down they're tired and you bring in that fire that energy and then that crowd and it's funny because you can see that type of energy in the crowd whereas like you right. know other comedians uh for example like mark Marin, you know he's sitting yeah. in a stool and people are kind of more reserved they'll laugh but they're not you know, having that same, they're, they're, they're having the same energy as him. Whereas right. when I watch you, I have the same energy as you. So you're just kind of bringing it to yeah. another level. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what I want. You know, that's what I, that, again, that's who I am. Mark Marin, you know, obviously culturally, not the same uh, comedy, not the same. He comes from a more, you know, his, his comedy is more thought provoking yeah. rather than, rather than mine. And where I'm, I'm from the school of Robin Williams. I'm from the school of Eddie Murphy, you know, and, and George Carlin, where energy was important to them. I, I still, the other night was watching Abbott and Costello. I watched late night sometimes when I can't sleep instead of wasting moments 
I throw on an old Jerry Lewis film on Amazon, I, I you know, or whatever. I throw something on because I realize that's my that's my my Zen energy. That's where I watch them and then I calm down because mm-hmm. they they're carrying the weight of the energy. I used to watch a show called uh, Three's Company with a guy named John Ritter, and mm-hmm. you know John Ritter was in my house uh, all the time. And his energy level as a as a as a comedian and then a comedic actor was always on ten. When I started doing stand up comedy, I said, "Who do I want to be like?" And the list was like eight people. It was like Robin Williams, <laughs> yeah. like John Ritter. I want to be like Jerry Lewis. I want to be like you know what I mean. I want to be like mm-hmm. Jerry Gleason. I want if you're watching my comedy from here up, I still want you to laugh. And it's funny that I said that, and now I'm doing Zoom shows where people can only see me from here, <laughs> and they're, you know, and they're, they're like, oh my god, stop! Like, stop <laughs> I see them, but they can't see my whole body. Like, they can't, you know. But I think yeah. that's because, again, in the beginning, uh, I, that's what I wanted to be like. I, I saw Eddie Murphy and thought I really saw the first coming of Christ. Like, I was like, how is one human being so talented and funny? And mm-hmm. again, now when I do impressions, suddenly in an audience the other night did an impression. Why? Because I felt like it. And I, that was an Eddie Murphy thing. Eddie went from doing his comedy to doing impression, back to doing his comedy, back to doing an impression. The shit was all fair game. And it was funny. As yep. long as it's funny, it's fair game. And, uh, you know, and again, that, uh, that excitement comes from the lessons, right? The lessons that I learned about what's Funny. What's funny? Now, was mm-hmm. Johnny Carson funny? He sat at the desk like this and spoke very. <laughs> yeah, that's right, right. Love it. I want, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess that's funny, uh, but it wasn't. It wasn't my kind of funny. You mm-hmm. know, I, I saw the kings of comedy and was like, "That's it. That's it. I'm starting yep. the whole comedy tomorrow." <laughs> because I saw, you know, I saw Steve Harvey uh, telling his story. I saw. You know, Dio Hughley telling his story. I saw, uh, uh, you know, Cedric the other day just just taking normal life and making it funny. And then Bernie Mac, who <sighs> was, you know, he still is the inspiration to my to my storytelling. Like everybody yeah. else I talked about has to do with being funny. Bernie Mac told taught me that a story is yours as long as you own it. People will pay to see your story because your story is everybody's story. Again, our pain is our through line in humanity. Mm-hmm. Nobody out here goes through life. Look, there's there's uh, uh, the, the people that are given money in their lives, you know, the, these these uh, fun, trust fund kids. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and they're out here and they die of drug overdoses. Why? Because they have their own, they, they, why? Because their parents were so rich and never paid any attention to them. They had a nanny and they loved the nanny more than they loved their parents. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then the nanny gets fired or goes back to El Salvador and they never see them again. And it breaks that, that kid's heart because for 15 years, all they knew was, was Layla, the nanny. And yep. then, you know, Layla said, Ay, bendito, me tengo que ir, tengo que, eh, mi mamá, <laughs> Uh, you know, in El Salvador, man. all right, bye. And then the, from one day to the next, that, the love of that kid's life is gone. Yep. And then here, this kid doesn't even know his parents, doesn't know the mother, doesn't know the father, doesn't even know them. They only saw them when they came out of their office or came home to say, hey, Petey, how are you? Doing good? All right. Yeah. All right I'm going to go to my room. <laughs> bye. And, uh, and, but, you know, again, I, I, uh, everybody has that. Look, man, everybody has some shit they're going through. 
Everybody has it. I, and I learned this lesson recently about relationships when I was going through my, you know, my, my breakup of my divorce and everything. I learned through Jay-Z. Jay-Z was, <laughs> uh, Jay-Z was in the doghouse. Yeah. A billionaire was in the doghouse. This, his woman was making music about piece of shit he was. <laughs> you know? yeah. Listen to that Lemonade album. That shit was about, you don't fucking, I, I, you know what I mean? I'm successful. Yeah. I'm beautiful. I'm everything. And you still want other pussy? Like, are you crazy? This is, this is, I would, because it doesn't matter how much money he has. He was damaged goods when she got him. This is what I, this is what I'm talking about on Mondays. Yep. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're fucking damaged, you're damaged. And if you don't deal with the damage, you just carry that shit from person to person. You wind up sharing that. You know, he's a fucking, yep, this yep. is a, this is a drug dealer from Brooklyn. You think, you don't think that his damage isn't to his core, to the inner parts of his workings? <laughs> I didn't think about it that way. Never forgiven himself and he's never dealt with himself that way, only through liquor and weed and all this other shit. I mean, those things are nice, right? Mm-hmm. Problem's still there when the next, in the you know, the next day. So now you need more and more of that instead of more of healing. So that's why I say, you know, uh, when it came to my relationship, I said, look, if Jay-Z is going through a shit, I better, you know, I better have the nuts to go see somebody if I need to, to talk to somebody to avoid depression, to avoid getting into a place where I need alcohol just to function because I'm so hurt because I'm, I hurt myself. Not that anybody's hurting me, but I constantly hurt me. I think that's why, you know, Robin Williams had an issue with depression because he lived in his own hurt. Never, never. And he had therapists and he had these people who were and he had to call them. He had to call them all the time. Like they were on the phone with him sometimes two, three times a day just to make sure he was OK. You know, yeah. it's, it's unfair. You know, it's an unfair place to be. Like I said, I, I don't think I can change the world, but I hope that I can inspire someone who goes. I want to help change the world. Yeah, I just want to help, just want to help one dude, you know, one dude <laughs> recognize that he's ignoring the most important parts of his manhood. And that is to be in touch with yourself, like to be connected to you, you know, and, and alcohol and weed or Zannies and all this other shit. That shit is a, it shit is a straight disconnection to your feelings. You know? Yeah. I see it. I'm, it's only an opinion. Yeah. And it's just crazy. Cause uh, last night I was watching uh, that comedy store documentary and they were talking about Freddie Prince and they were talking about days before, um, one of his friends was like, what, what's wrong with you? You have everything you have. you have. You have the girls, you have the money, you have the TV shows, you have this. What more do you want? And it was just that simple thing of like, hey, it, it's not all about that. Like he had right. everything. He had everything. At such a young age, mm-hmm. he was going to be a superstar. Yeah. And yet it still wasn't enough because there was something inside him, whether it be from childhood, whether it be from, you know, just past trauma, it wasn't enough. And that's what's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The pain is, this is what I mean. The pain is everybody's pain threshold is their own. You own your own. I don't, my pain threshold and yours is going to be different. And I guess, you know, pain is like, uh, I don't know how to say it, but you know, uh, you ever watch a cup get filled with water, Mm -hmm. you know, some people, when it starts to get too full, they jump over and they start drinking, you know, and and, and they don't want to spill over. And some people get mesmerized with watching it get full. You know, they just like, just, oh, what, what happens when all that water just overtakes? <laughs> and I think that's what happens if you ignore that cup being filled with water. You'll never see you'll by the time you see the mess it makes it's too late. It's already a big. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, I, I, I don't know. I see it that way, you know? I, I, I see it that way I, with, with myself. I see it that way. Yeah, that, that, makes, that, makes, that makes a lot of sense. And just to go back real quick, when you were talking about, you know, trying to be all those different types of comedians, how long did it take you to shake that off to where it's like, okay, I found Mark. Like, I found me. I found the type of guy that I want to be on stage. Because I know a lot of comedians, I think it ha- I feel like it happens to everyone. And a lot of comedians always talk about how, you know, they would go up on stage and they, they notice themselves being a certain comedian and they're not being themselves. So how long did it take for you to just kind of shake all that off or, or at least kind of like put it all together to where you think like, yeah, this is me. Um, again, just so that we're, we're again, it's truthful. Uh, I'm still, I'm still evolving. I'm my truth is still evolving. I think honestly, and I say this, I think my next comedy special will be the best one, not because of the material, but because of me, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've now done two, right. Two one hours or, or close to, right. I've done so many like small things. And then these, big yeah, things. you can add them all up. Yeah. yeah. You start adding them up. I have probably two hours on television. Um, plus whatever I did on true TV and all that other stuff. Oh, those are hilarious. Yeah. Uh, I think where it started to change was I started to do my own show, which I, I recommend to all young comics. Do your produce your own show for a lot of reasons. Number one, you become a producer. You know, you, you wind up getting another hat. Mm-hmm. You get a hat as a producer outside of being a comedian on the show. You yeah. learn how to book comedians. You learn how to pay comedians. And then you learn how much money do you have to make so that you can pay comedians and pay your bills like flyers and graphic designers and social media shit and then have money left for you. You start to deal with comedy differently. And when I started to produce my own show in the Bronx, um, people were expecting so much of me because I came out firing you know, missiles. But then I had to do it again next month and the next month. And the next month, and yep. the next month, and the next month, and so on, and so yeah. on. And in having to come up with material, I had to then learn how to write better. And in writing better, I had to learn how to, uh, you know, perform to the level of the writing or write to the level of the performance. And that forced me to look more inward because I was going through so much shit at that time that I started to write about my marriage and how bad it was not understanding that it became big time comedy. Like I did my Showtime special probably 10 years ago. And that's how I got my show onto True TV was that one special had so many nuggets of goodness, of pain that turned into laughter that that shit, you know, it sold, I don't know, shit. How much money did I make from True TV, man? Like I made, I probably made $5,000 from my special on Showtime and I probably tripled that on True TV and the shit was 10 years old. I did did nothing new. They just used that stuff. (laughs) No, it was really ridiculous and crazy. And, um, you know, uh, yeah. So, you know, when I started to write more about myself, when I started to say, yo, my, my, I don't know, I'm married to a fucking 
you know, to a maniac. Like this bitch literally pushes <laughs> with fucking squirrels on her head, wait, waiting to see if I'm having lunch with a woman. Like people were hysterical laughing. They were like, no, yo, I did that last week, yo. I don't trust a man. And then I started to realize that men were untrustworthy, you know, and that women had trust issues. You know, but because they watched their father cheat on their mother or blah, blah, blah. Like every I started to realize everybody was dealing with some kind of pain and stupidity in their own way. And instead of dealing with it, they were just in relationships where they just brought all that bullshit into the relationship. And then women, are, you know, women will, will tell you right to your face. Yo, I'm beautiful. I got good pussy, but I'm fucking crazy. And look at us men. Look at us men, yo, but so what? Yeah. I love you, and that's what it is. Like, <laughs> yep. Take the fucking hint and go, all right, I'm get all right, let me get my bags and get the fuck out of here because this ain't for me. Like, no, we go that challenge accepted, you know? <laughs> In the back you do. <laughs> <laughs> so yep. Like it's fuck, you know? So uh, yeah, finding finding my own voice became uh again, honestly, it became the reason why. Five years after that, I started to be taken seriously in comedy because at first I was using everybody else's voice. Like you said, I was doing impressions. I was, you know, I tell people a funny story. I, I had an, I had a joke about my GPS that I changed the voice to Scarface on my GPS. This is one of my first funny jokes that I wrote. So I'm like, I, I got lost when I was in Harlem and the, and the GPS was like, hey, what the fuck, man? I told you, I'm not down the street, man. You, you fucked up, man. You, got, you know, so, oh, God. like, I, I knew I could do the impressions, but I knew that I wanted to write for them, at least in a way that was funnier than just, just doing a voice and being the voice. I wanted to put that voice in a very crazy place in my hood, you know? So since I'm from New York City, I did Arnold Schwarzenegger on the beach and, and you know, in the Bronx, you know, looking at Latina women, like, oh, you know, <laughs> look at you, look at the fat ass. I want to touch it. I don't care if you have bullet wounds. Come here. I want to touch you. You know, I'm, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger trying to talk to women in Spanish. Mira, venga acá, I'm telling you. Venga acá. Get online, come here. Like, you know, I, I did all of these funny jokes with these impressions and uh, people loved it. You know, I used to, at the end of my show, I used to say, yo, scream out where you want Arnold Schwarzenegger to be. And then they used to be like, yo, he's on the train. And, you know, <laughs> and then I would, you know, I would be on the train, the fucking whatever. And it, it just wound up becoming... Uh, how do you say it it became second to my stand up the the impressions became second to my stand up people really wanted to hear my voice about my grandmother my story about my marriage at the time about my kids at the time and the impressions became at the very end where i would just do be playful you know it, i was just, i was just playing with the audience like yo let's do let's have fun you know yeah and so I, and i still do that i still do that sometimes i treat the audience to a mix, a mix mash of impressions, mm -hmm. you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Tracy Morgan and Predator Three, you know, <laughs> so yeah. it's like, yo, I'm only, yo, I want to get that alien pregnant. I don't even care. <laughs> you, know, like, you can't get it pregnant. Don't do it. <laughs> we have to get out of here, you know. And, uh, and so I, I have fun. I have fun doing that because it's all silliness exactly. and, and it, you know, and the audience at the very end is like, yo, I love him. And then he did those stupid impressions, yo. <laughs> you know, because yeah. they had so much fun. And now I, I, I go, now I'm able to switch gears because I did my, I, my responsibility of telling you yeah. my story is done. Thank mm -hmm. you guys so much. 
you know, oh wait, I, I wanna I wanna play with you guys for a little bit. And then it's like, oh shit, he's doing five minutes extra. And then it's just, what the hell? You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> what the fuck was that thing at the end with all the impressions? <laughs> he's crazy, but I want people to know that I'm I'm multifaceted, multi-talented, and I have all these different, you know, these different yeah. avenues, so to speak, comedy. And that that's why I I love comedy. That's why I enjoy like going to the clubs and going to see, um, you know, look, luckily I was, I was able to go to the comedy store right before, you know, the shutdown and just seeing the lineups that were there and yeah. like bringing my, bringing my friends and telling them like, you don't understand. If you were to watch one guy, this is, <laughs> this is like a whole shit. Like I was geeking out there. Yeah. It, it was, it, it, that's why going to comedy clubs is awesome. Even uh, going to a, one of the improvs around here, Going to see Gabriel Iglesias, he did an hour, and then he's like, "Yeah, I don't have anything to do. I'll stay. I'll stick around. If you guys want to go, you can go. If you want to hang out, and he just chop it up and talk about and some. That's sometimes mo- the most memorable part. Yeah. He's like, "Yeah, I love the set, but that extra stuff of just you know bullshitting and hanging out and just talking about nonsense that that's that, some of like the the fun the fun stuff. Yeah, the stay extra, the little extras that you get, uh, they wind up they wind up being meaning more to you because you love the show and now and now you're getting to learn a little more about them as a person which i think is pretty cool you know and i i never knew that i would be it would be worth it for me but you know now that my career is in a certain place i realize that people like to get extra and sometimes i turn into this female character and i do that uh, <laughs> but but the truth is that i'm having either way i'm having tons of fun doing it you know yeah yeah and um i was going to ask you because you can tell that you love comedy, especially when you, you know, I see a post of you outside in the rain, cars out, and you're just, you're still doing it. When yeah. a lot of comedians, uh, especially a lot of comedians were just like, yeah, I'm just going to hang out and chill and, you know, not worry about it. And when everything opens up, I'll come back. Right. And you were just, you know, took the opposite approach and said, you know what? Hell no. I'm, there's, if there's shows to be had, you're going to do them. And that was like the the coolest thing to see. Yeah, because I'm not doing it for money and I'm doing it for the art. You know, I understand that, you know, Gabe is a friend of mine and I love him tremendously. And I've sent him messages saying that and uh, and he's not going to do any shows. But I guess it's different for him and me in that when he goes out, people are expecting a certain level of comedy. But with me, I got to exercise my muscles, you know, and I, that's all I know. That's all I know. All I know is how to exercise these muscles. I've done comedy almost 20 years without stopping. So I, I'm good. I'm good at, I'm good at the little things I'm doing. I'm good at doing comedy for 10 minutes while I just walk into the comedy club and, you know, in New York and go, Hey, can I do a few minutes? And I'm like, Oh, absolutely. Mark, go ahead. You know, you're going to go on after such and such. And I go on and I, for no money, no money. I'm just 10 minutes of, you know, I get to hit that bag and feel and feel like myself and work up a sweat. So, you know, that opportunity, even though outside in the cold, it was like 39 degrees. It was raining in my face. Um, <laughs> and all I had on was a sweatshirt, you know. Yeah. I didn't feel the cold. All I felt was the people. And like you said, I want to I want to always be on the side of I respect this thing so much. That when you see me, you respect that that I'm at that. Oh yeah. That club doing 10 minutes because I have something to say. I have something to work on. You know, mm-hmm. if somebody called me tomorrow and said, Yo, Mark, I have 80 million, but I want you to do 
this, you know, I want, I, I need an, a fresh hour, but I'm going to pay you 80. I, I want them to know I'm ready. I don't want yeah. them to think, yo, uh, you, you need, how long you need? Six months, seven months. <laughs> nah, I want to say, nah, let's, you want to take tomorrow. Let's go. Like your, your yeah. $80 million is if you're ready, I'm ready. You know, now, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do I want a month or two to refine? Absolutely. That's, you know, it's every, every artist wants to paint a couple ones before they do that, that masterpiece. Absolutely. But mm-hmm. I, I don't have that luxury. Like I said, I could get a call tomorrow and say, yo, we're taping, you know, yeah. we, we dumped, we dumped that guy and we want you, you know, I, I recently got a call from Jennifer Lopez and she said, I got a movie I'm, I'm working on. I want you on it. Can you, do you want to read for it? I would love to have you read. I didn't get it, but I read for it. I was, you know, yeah. from one day to the next, I was like, send me, let's go. You know, she's like, but you got to live in the Dominican Republic for four months. I'm like, fuck it. <laughs> okay. You mean, you mean live in the, where I'm from for four months? I'm from the Caribbean. Like, you don't think I can last there? That's, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and get paid. And get paid. You know, I want to drink passion fruit juice on the beach. You know, (laughs) yeah, let's go. Four months. That's it. You sure you don't? You sure we're not doing six months? But all those, like I said, I'm uh, in my mind. I just know that I'm, you know, being ready, able, willing to do comedy. That's that's who I am. It's been too long. If I turn down a a a job now, that's ridiculous. Totally out of my wheelhouse to, you know. And so when people call me, yo, Mark, I need you. I'm there. if it fits and it works, I'm gonna do it. Yeah, and I think what's cool about uh, the world that we're living in today, whereas, let's say, 20 years ago, you know, a lot of people, a lot of fans wouldn't be able to get to know their favorite comedian at a personal level. Whereas now, there's podcasts out there. There's so many different types of interviews out there. You get to learn about your favorite comedian. You get to learn about you know that you know, what they're going through on a regular basis before they even come out with a special. Cause you know, 20 years ago, the only time you get to see them was in a movie or when they did their, their new hour. But now it's like, there's so much more content in between those, those areas. It's just, I think that's why comedy is just getting bigger and bigger because everyone's getting to invest in their comedian. Like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a fan of this guy. I get to see him from his first set and he gets to talk from that first joke that he, he, he was writing to, to that finished product all the way to the end of uh, that special or whatever. So how, I think that's what, what people are enjoying about comedy and yeah. what, what people are starting to figure out is that comedy is no joke. When you're, when you're in this game, when you're in this hustle, it's a, it's a bitch, it's a grind. And I'm, I enjoy learning about it. I enjoy, enjoy, you know, hey, this isn't all rainbows and sunshine and rainbows. There's a lot of shit. And there's yeah. a lot of people who quit. There's a lot of people who say, you know, get to a certain point and they stay at that point and they just say, fuck it, I'm done. Was there ever a point in your career where you just said, I, I, it's either comedy or, you know, back to being normal Joe Schmo? Um, yeah, it happened and happened during this coronavirus, you know, it happened recently where, you know, I just got tired of waiting, you know, I got tired of um, thinking about the fact that I was on an incredible high. I had a, a you know, a before March of last year, I was taping, you know, I just taped one special with, with Entre Nos, you know, with uh, HBO yeah. Latino got a call from HBO Max and was like, yo, now we want you over here with, with the Hot Comedy Festival. So, uh, you know, what's up? You know, we, we want to pay you 
triple what they paid you. So let's go. And I was like, and uh, well, you know, HBO, the, our, our publicist is going to be your publicist. Um, it just the magic started to happen. You know, it started to happen. Like the magic that that takes your career, like as you see the levels that you're going through. You know, at one point you just wanna you just wanna be making a living, right? You wanna make an honest living. You wanna make enough money that your bills, your, your lifestyle is taken care of. I don't have a big lifestyle. I'm a big movie buff. I just wanna be able to go to the movies. You know, uh, travel to beautiful places, take a vacation, right? It's simple, a simple life. Uh, save money, invest in business, whatever I, I need to do as far as how I wanna live. But that's very modest. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, uh, you know, driving anything extravagant, wasn't doing anything extravagant. And uh, so I, I was able to do that. And now here I am, you know, with offers and, and looking, I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Like, damn, what? And then, you know, and then this pandemic hits and all that just came to a screeching halt. Right. So, yeah, when I started to run out of money, I was just like, Yo, I'm gonna I'm gonna go work over there. I'm gonna I'm gonna get licensed as this and this and that, and I'm just gonna do that. You know, hey, it's all in the meantime. While, but what happens is once you divert energy, yep. something new, that new thing becomes the new thing, and comedy will be would have become the old. Thing, you know, and I didn't want that. So what did I do? I I reinvented myself and I said, man, I've given comedy twenty years. I've I've amassed an incredible amount of good knowledge. I don't drink. Yeah. I don't smoke. I'm very conscious when I go out to some of the clubs. I'm very conscious of my sets. I'm very conscious of how I write and how I translate. Maybe I could help other comedians, the other aspiring comedians to get started in the business of comedy. And uh, came up with this workshop that I that I'm, you know, that I'm proud to be putting out there as a product because before I even did it, I already had uh, an itinerary and a, and a syllabus for all three layers of what I could teach, of what I could show, really. And then I realized, well, I'm not teaching anybody anything. I just, I, in the beginning, I'm, I'm showing you that it, there's technique and stuff. And then I'm really just a tour guide. I'm really just guiding you and showing you, hey, over here, this is where you do this. Hey, you see over here, this is where that goes. And you know, if you're smart, you'll pay attention while you're on tour because it's your own journey. And so, you know, instead of giving up on comedy, I just reinvest. I just reinvented myself in it and said, I'm a comedian, dude. And yeah, I'm not going to make a million dollars doing this workshop. I didn't need a million dollars before I did the workshop because it wasn't my lifestyle. Let me let me just pay my bills. Let me just pay my bills. And then at least I don't have to sit there and worry. You know, worry. And that's what this workshop is doing. It's not making me a ton of money, but I'm getting money for what I know in here, for how I prepare it for you, the, the you know, the consumer of it. And obviously, the more I do it, the better I'm going to get at it. And I have a, a, you know, shit at my workshop. Angela Johnson was one of my guest speakers. Um, yeah, you know, awesome. hopefully in the future I have Fluffy as a guest speaker, or I I have another big artist that already agreed to do it. I have I have people literally online waiting to be in my class as a guest speaker because yeah, I can talk all day. You want to know how Angela Johnson became a millionaire doing it? Hey, Angela, tell them how you did it, and then she comes on, and people are like, oh shit, <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> 
You understand what I mean? But yeah, and they, you know, my friends in comedy understand how much this shit means to me, mm-hmm. and they know that I would never take an audience through a, through a journey that's that's not realistic. And so they're supporting me, and how they show their support is by lending me a few minutes on Zoom to, you know, to to lay to to lay down their own, like you said, their personal experiences with the journey. And it really, and all they honestly, all they're doing is repeating what I'm saying. But it's nice to know that the journey requires for you to be able, like you said, to stomach all this shit that happens to you. Because mm-hmm. yes, you want to quit. Yes, it's hard. Yes, you have eight good shows and the ninth one you bomb. You know, yes, you go, you know, you did great on the East Coast. The second you go on the West Coast, you bomb as shit, or whatever the case may be. And uh you know, this it requires you know surface toughness because mm-hmm. people are gonna say shit to you. Ah, uh, yeah, you you know, you ain't gonna be funny in, in, in Texas, bro. Take that shit out of here. You ain't gonna be funny, you know, or the opposite. Yo, I gotta get you to Texas, bro. You're gonna fucking murder, yo. I love. See, I've seen both sides. I've seen both sides. So, yep. people had told me, yo, you're New York funny. You know, I've heard that shit before. So, you know, uh, wanting to quit is a part of the process of never quitting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wanting it, it, to quit it, it, is a part of the process of fucking never quitting. Because you you know you want again it's self reflection like what do you want to do what it's the mirror shit what do you want to do do you want yeah. you want this pain do you want this shit then keep going because the pain will have something to prove for you you know the pain is what's necessary in comedy the like you said the grind is necessary the late nights the early mornings the sleepless fucking red eyes to make a meeting to do that shit's a part of the process. You have to stomach that. It's your own business. You're not, you don't work for nobody but you. You got to do it. You know, you got to do it. Yeah, this shit is, like you said, I'm just going to mirror what you said. This shit is hard. This shit is hard. Yeah, and uh, even, I always hear the, that cliche, cheesy thing, you know, winners never quit, quitters never win. So you're you're never going to win if you just say, fuck it, I'm going to quit. And, and that's why, like I said, I appreciate uh, even more now, like just listening to so many different comedians share the same type of story where it's like, Hey man, this, this is no joke. Like there was, you know, 20 of us who, you know, started out and I was, there's like three of us now, or there's, right. it, it's, a, it's a, like you said, it's a grind. And, um, have you ever, you know, you kind of mentioned to it like, Oh, there's the East coast and West coast little by little. I'm kind of starting to see that the difference between the two, because, you know, obviously comedy is comedy and everyone tries to like separate and like, oh, no, that's an East Coast thing, West Coast thing. But it's true. I, I feel like there is kind of like that East Coast, you know, style of comedy or, you know, genre or topics. And there's a West Coast style. Um, but at the end of the day, I still think, you know, funny is funny. I don't care if it's East Coast, yeah, West Coast, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't. To me, there's no there's no distinction. I don't even know. I'll be honest with you. I don't know where Joe Coy, Joe Coy is from. Like, I know I know nationality. I know he's Filipino. <laughs> I don't know where he's from. I don't know if he grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, or if he grew up in Miami. I have no idea. That's he's so funny. It doesn't matter. I know Angela is a West Coast girl. Does it doesn't matter? Her comedy translates in, in Australia as it does in in New York. It translates in in England as it does in New York uh, as it does in L.A. Or I think she's from the North, the West Coast, but the Northwest. Um, but of California. Um, 
it doesn't even matter. You know, Fluffy is uh, a East Los guy. He's funny everywhere he goes. I know I toured with him. He's funny everywhere he goes. Like you said, funny's funny. And you don't, well, if you're worried about being in Arkansas, then you're in the wrong business. Then, then you're not there yet. You know, if you're worried that your jokes that you did in, in, the, in the ice house are not going to go well in Arkansas, then you're, then you're not, you're not mature enough. You know, it's like a kid, you know, of course, every 14 year old wants a, a good woman in his life, but they're not ready for yeah. it. They haven't, they haven't even dealt with a 14 year old girl. How can you have a 25 year old woman in your life? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they look really good. Yeah. Those, those bodies are incredible, but it ain't for you. You know, mm -hmm. it ain't for you. So yeah, there's, you know, knowing your maturity, knowing where you are in your career is important to where you, you know, where you're going to go, you know, where, where you should be performing. And also, like you said, risks, what risks are you going to take so that your comedy can grow? And that, mm -hmm. it, that, honestly, that's what this business takes. It takes super hard work and a super ability to take risks so that you can meet the challenge. You know, I, yeah. I tell Daniel all the time, I, I am comfortable in the uncomfortable. When the, the more pressure I feel, the more zen and focused I become. But the pressure has to be, right? Because if diamonds are created in under pressure, you pressure. know, they're, they're, they're just shit. And then pressure makes them great, makes them yeah. more worth worthy. I think for comedians or for someone like me who operates like that, yes, we, you're going to go, um, hey, Mark, we need you next week to go with Fluffy to, they're doing 25,000 in front of such and such pressure. Ah! And what do I do when I get on stage? Oh! you know, swinging the big sword and, and Gabe is like, yo, Mark, holy shit, bro. That was crazy. That's what I'm talking about. More, the more people, the more pressure, the better I, you know, the rise to the occasion comes and hopefully you can, you know, through that pressure. Yeah. And, and that, that's what, that's what I enjoy seeing. I seen all, I love enjoy uh, and seeing all those, you know, pressure moments and they just boom. And then that's when, you know, 10 years down the line, but Hey, remember that time. And, and that's where kind of just catapults everything that happens after that. Um, yeah. are, do you have any specific places that you kind of stay away from when it comes to comedy or do you just say anywhere and everywhere? Anywhere and everywhere. I don't have that luxury. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah, um, I'm still, you know, I'm, still, I'm still building the fans. I'm still building fans. And again, COVID now gave me a, a year off where I'm gaining fans on social media, but you know, they're not, and they're fans of my comedy, but they're not fans of my live comedy, which is where I want to, you know, where I thrive, you know, that's yeah. my background. So yeah. Yeah. Anywhere and everywhere. There isn't a place. Have you, have you ever done a standup in Puerto Rico? Never. I feel like that'd be probably a crazy place to do it. I mean, fun. you know, um, but it's all, it's all, how do you say it's all relative because Puerto Rico, they have, they speak English. Yeah. Right? They speak English for the most part. They definitely understand it because there's TV programs that they watch and so on and so forth. They even taught English in, in school. So they know English. That, now, do they talk it every day fluently? No, they know English. They wouldn't, they would understand my comedy without a doubt, especially if I did it Spanglish where I can have a lot of fun with both languages. Um, but this is the thing about Puerto Rico. They have an attitude that if you're not from Puerto Rico, you're not Puerto Rican. That if you're from New York, you're New Yorkian, which is a term that's only used by us Puerto Ricans. You know, yeah, I've heard it before. It's not, it's not a, a well-known term. It's just the term that, you know, 
uh, that's used on the island for New York and New York from, from, from us that weren't born on the island. It's a weird, it's a weird thing, but it does exist. It's not, it's not racism. It's just, it's, it's like cultural segregation. You know what I mean? It's like, ah, you're not, you're not, you're from here, but you're not from here. It's like a weird, yeah. you know, it's like you're born yeah, you had- in the Bronx and now you live someplace else. And you're like, no, no, I'm from the Bronx. And they're like, when did you move? When I was three. Ah, nigga, you ain't from the Bronx. You know, I'm from the Bronx. So it's that it's a it's a mentality thing. Yeah, and I, I feel like that's not even not even just Puerto Rico. Like I've talked to friends who are, you know, Mexican, and they they're like, oh, when I go to Mexico, like, oh, you're not you're not Mexican. You're just you're 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 just a white guy. You're a white boy. You're 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 whitewashed. You're this or that. So yeah, exactly. it, it's a it's, it's a normal thing. So. uh before we wrap up again, I appreciate you having me uh, uh, being on here and Absolutely. being able to do the, uh, the podcast. Uh, is there anything you want to plug or I know you, you have your workshop that's, that's kickstarting and going, I'm pretty sure going pretty strong with all those amazing guests appearances. <laughs> well, the workshop uh, is for those particularly who, uh, you know, always you have different levels, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, people who have dreamed of doing stand up comedy, but really always felt like, they didn't know how to start. Um, and, and it's not my beginners class is not really just for comedians. It's for any kind of public speaker. You know, that first beginners workshop, I talk about public speaking a lot because that's what you know, you have to transition from your normal life to being a better public speaker, speaking like speaking on a podcast and then speaking in front of 250 people are two different things dynamically. And so. I, I try to, uh, how do you say, scale down the dynamic to where, you know, as yeah. long as you're prepared in this, you'll be good in front of 250 or 2,500 or 250,000 because you're focused on your on your material and your stuff. Then you're able to do that out there. So the beginners uh, class really talks about that. The intermediate class is about set building and comedy. That's where I build your set. You know, uh, you bring all your your funny. I then help you to, you know, uh, like like a puzzle piece, get all the pieces in the right place where I'm really just over your shoulder. You do you do all that. The, sounds, that sounds like fun. And it's so much fun, bro, because when, you know, aspiring comedians really come up with something funny and we all discover it together in this, you know, kind of classroom setting. Um, and the laughs are for like eight minutes sometimes, you know, and so it's supposed to be an hour class usually goes about damn near an hour and a half because there's so much goodness. Um, and again, I just I'm just like I said, I'm just a tour guide in that. And then the advanced class uh, is more writing is more, you know, where I get to be more fine to, you know, fine tooth with it. And I get to teach you more about the business of stand up, which you and I covered some of the mm-hmm. pitfalls and things like that, where I, I get to. Uh, you know, go a little further into how do you host a show when somebody says, yo, can you host? You know, how do I make money doing comedy? How do I make money doing social media? You know, how do mm-hmm. I be funny on social media? All that stuff I cover in the advance. You don't need to talk about that in the beginning because you ain't got no comedy underneath you. In the intermediate is where you start to develop your set. And then at the advanced, we are fine tuning your set. And then I get to you know, I get to tell you, yo, this is how you audition. This is how you get TV shows. This is how you get a Jimmy Fallon. This is whatever, whatever. These are the things you're going to need. So now I'm just putting more tools in the tool belt with that. Man, that that's awesome, especially for people who are trying to, you know, find a way. Because there's, 
there's no like direct route like there's no like oh this is the you do this you do that and then boom you're you're famous like th- that's not how it works well, hell no ain't none of that yeah. Yeah, first of all, and if people are doing comedy yeah. famous, they're doing the shit for the wrong reason. Exactly. Like, famous so subjective, and, you know? Yeah, so I, I that man, that sounds like so much fun. Just being able to break everything down and all that stuff. So again, thank you for being on and it's Mark Vieira Comedy on social media. On every on every platform, every handle, Mark Vieira Comedy. Um, the workshop, uh, my website, markviera.com. They can find me on YouTube and everything from there. But on YouTube is Mark Vieira, you know, uh, YouTube backslash Mark Vieira. Uh, they can subscribe. And like I said, uh, you know, uh, what's coming up is hopefully an HBO special or some other kind of special. I'm, I'm working now on putting that all together. So I appreciate you having me, man, on the, on the podcast. Appreciate it. Thanks again. And uh, I hope you enjoy everything else. And uh, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Mark Vieira. Thank you. Appreciate it, bro. Thank you.